Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths and promise of God's provision. Listen to Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. What an incredible passage. I'm a witness to you of this statement. I've seen this principle work. I can't explain it. God is faithful. He alone, no one else. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When is less, more? Today, Pastor Xavier examines the Word as he shares how the size of your bank account has nothing to do with how much you give to God. Confused? Well, the simple truth is, there's more to giving than just money. But if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills... Why does he need your offerings anyway? Well, open up your Bible to the Gospel of Luke for the answer and today's intriguing simple truths. Luke 21, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 and the message entitled, um, The Widow's Gift. Jesus observed people putting money into the treasury and our text will reveal to us three truths about our giving to God here. Let me read. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mice. And he said, truly, I say to you, that the poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. And so as Jesus reveals his observance of the people putting money into the treasury, he reveals three truths about our giving. First, in verse 1 and 2, Jesus is the secret observer of all giving. Secondly, in verse 3, Jesus is the secret appraiser of our giving. And thirdly, in verse 4, Jesus is the secret admirer of our giving. This is such a great text. Jesus, notice, look, uh, and he took notice of the rich making their offering in verse 1. He looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. In verse 2, Jesus then also looked and took notice of a widow making her offering. And he saw also a certain poor widow uh, putting in her two mice. And Jesus looked up and saw just a certain widow, nothing, no one particular. He didn't know her. Now the poor widow gave two mites notice, about a quarter of a cent. An insignificant amount in comparison to the riches of the others. There's a great contrast here. Notice, secondly, Jesus is the secret appraiser of our giving in verse 3. Uh, so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. So Jesus removes all human opinion regarding the estimation of what was being given to God. Jesus was speaking to his disciples directly, indirectly to the crowds. So he said, it says in the beginning of verse 3, Mark tells us, so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Mark 12, 43. So he's speaking directly to his disciples. They're right there in the court. They're looking up. And the crowds are still in the backdrop. Luke 20, 45 and Mark 12, 37. 
So they're hearing this too, but it's directly to the apostles, disciples. Now Jesus was about to speak absolute truth with absolute authority about the offering of this poor widow. The importance of the statement is its credibility regarding the words that are to follow being prefaced by the word truly. It means reliable, sure, certain. The same word is used by the centurion at the crucifixion in Mark 15.30. Truly this man was the son of God. Mark uses the word assuredly. The old King James, verily, verily. It's the word amen. The word amen is pronounced the same way in every language. Amen, amen. Amen, but it, it, it's a universal word. When that word, verily, verily, assuredly, assuredly, is put in the beginning of the sentence, it pre-announces that what, what is about to be said, and Jesus did it in doubles, that it's very important and it's absolutely reliable. If you put that same word, amen, at the end of the sentence, it says, so be it, let it be done. It's affirming what has been said. So it depends the position of the word. Jesus is declaring the importance of the statement here based on the priority of his person. I say to you, Jesus didn't quote nobody, prophet, rabbi, philosopher, no one. He is the highest authority. When, he, when you read, I say to you, you can trust every word he says. You don't have to question, well, you know, you have the intellectual gurus in the Christian community and the seminars and seminaries and they're deciding which really are the true words of Jesus, which are not. And they're, they're you know, amazing. Amazing. Notice Jesus removed also the hindering veil over their eyes. They only saw the physical. What, what they're seeing... Jesus is seeing something completely different. <laughs> he removed the veil, literally, as he's communicating this to them. He knew that she gave from a genuine heart. She was not trying to impress the rich with her two mites. Like if you're driving down the street and you come up to the stop sign, there's a Bentley next to you, and you drive up with your Volkswagen, you roll down your window and say, How do you like my short, man? Like he's going to be impressed. She knows who she is. She, she knows who they are. He knew that she gave out of love for God. She was grateful for the little she had. He knew that she gave without trying to bring attention to herself. She was probably trying to get in and get out to not be seen. But she was most likely looked down upon as the rich would see her come forward. Maybe in themselves saying, what's she going to give? How is she going to affect this temple? Look at the beautiful stones, the jewels, the gold. Does she think that she had any part of this? You know how we are. <laughs> she understood God had provided her with the two mites. And she equally understood that God would continue to provide her for her. But she didn't know how. This is the greatest text of a life of faith. Notice Jesus considered the two mites of this poor widow of greater value by God's standards, has put in more than all. 
The comparison is between the sum total of all their offerings of the rich that they had deposited in the trumpet chest in contrast to her two mites. You see, man looks upon the amount. God looks upon the proportion to what we have when we give. Total different perspective. The founder and the leader of Calvary Chapel was my pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith. He died two years ago on October the 3rd. From the minute I heard Chuck the first time, I always heard him repeat his philosophy for ministry. Where God guides, he provides. And he lived it. And God honored that and blessed him so that he, in fact, became a dispenser of much help to many people. He had a radio ministry around the world. He never begged on the radio. Paul gave a simple principle. God honors in our giving that we do it of a free will and in proportion to God's blessing. Again, he's dealing with the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 because he's asking them about the offer they made a year before for the poor saints of Jerusalem. That's why he gave us so many principles. And thank God he did. We wouldn't have had those. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, 12 to 40, he says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and that you burden, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance also may supply your lack that there may be equality. And so he's, he's laying it out on them. I don't want any group of people, any few be the one. This is, this is a family matter. There should be nobody burdened over it or being able to boast about it. Your giving should never be by compulsory pressure through various methods that often are used today on the radio and over church pulpits. They will tell you that if you give to God one dollar, He will give you ten. Once again, using carnal methods to reach carnal people to get carnal money because they're carnal more than any other person in the church. And they're supposed to be leaders. They tell you that if you don't give to the radio program, they're going to have to go off the air. Thank God, go off the air. (laughs) That the church is not going to make the bills. Well, maybe you shouldn't spend more money than you get. If you can write a book for the success of your ministry, God didn't do it. You did it. So the pressure of the world pressures leaders to be carnal and to sell God. They will tell you that now you can be a, a partner in their ministry. And they have various levels you can get in. You know, you can be on the gold, the silver, or the bronze. And of course, you want to be in the gold, right? You'd love to be in the gold. But you look at the gold and you go, man, are you kidding me? Anytime any man suggests you an amount, get up and walk out. It's not God. Absolutely not God. Listen to Psalm 37, 25. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. 
What an incredible passage. I'm a witness to you of this statement. Since I've been ordained in 76, I've seen this principle work. Can't explain it. God is faithful. Jesus is the secret appraiser of our giving. He alone, no one else. Notice thirdly, in verse 4. Jesus is the secret admirer of our giving. This is great. Jesus knew that all the offerings put in by the rich did not affect their daily living. For all these, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. Jesus made a very general statement that included all the rich who gave here. For all these. This does not mean that there were no honest or dedicated rich men who loved God among them. He's not focusing on that. This does not mean that God did not honor some of their giving. This means that all the rich in what they gave, it was part of their abundance. And the word abundance means excess or extra money. All of us understand what that is. When we first get married, man, we're scrimping and pinching for pennies. We have first and the second kid. And you, know, and you mommies, you know, you're pinching a penny so hard, Lincoln's eyeballs pop out. And, but you make it work. If you understand what I'm talking about, you are most blessed. Then you learn the meaning of life. If you have never had to struggle financially, you are a real pauper. <laughs> you really are, are poor. And by the way, don't waste those lessons. Pass them off to your children. Because now if you can give them everything, God help you if you do, you'll destroy them. Now it did not affect their necessities such as food, clothing, and shelter. This was extra stuff. It did not prohibit them from buying anything they desired, even the things they didn't need. If they wanted them, they could get them. It was just extra stuff. Jesus uses the word offerings in the plural. These rich men did not just put in money in one coffer, but in various ones. Now, maybe one puts... A whole bunch in all of them. And maybe he's standing off and watching another wealthy man and he only puts one coffer in and he goes, that tight what I can't believe him. Because we're like, you know, people are looking around and all that. Well, all of a sudden, here comes this poor widow and, and she puts in two mites. What is that in comparison? But the way you and I see things is far different from the way God sees them. These rich were known for their benevolence, for the service of the temple, the luxury, all the service that went on. But notice also that Jesus knew that the two mites of the poor widow that she cast in was what she had to live for that day. While they're not being affected or ever will be at all, she's affected immediately. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. She was not dressed in the best clothes they were. She was trying to be inconspicuous 
They were not. She was humble. They were not. The woman, out of her condition of poverty, gave the little she could not afford to give. The little she has still made the situation lacking to obtain the adequate needed things for that day. She was destitute. The two mites were her livelihood, bios, what it took to live to sustain life. Mark adds the word whole, all, every wit. She had nothing left. The very monetary exchange that she would have used to buy something to eat. You remember when God plagued um, the people for David's sin and the prophet Gad came to David and said to go to the and erect an altar at the threshing floor of Aruna. And so as he went, Aruna saw the king coming and um, he made his petition what he wanted. And he said, oh, no, look, David, take the threshing floor, take the oxen, take everything. Don't, don't worry about it. Just, just take it, have it. And David said, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings of the Lord Yahweh, my God, with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Simple principle. From the beginning, when Trudy and I were born again, God's just part of our life. If I only give to God when I feel like it, that'd be terrible. Again, those difficult times are the things that God proves himself and does so much. And it is an interesting correlation. And again, I I never look at your offering. I I don't know who gives, who doesn't give. It's always the people that are not faithful to God are the ones that have the greatest problems with money. You can't escape that. Jesus teaches us that he does not look at how much we give, but how much we keep. I would never make that observation. I would have never made that statement. Jesus did. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bone. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be overflowing with new wine. That's a promise and a principle that, again, we don't understand completely, but we certainly don't want to corrupt it and pervert it and say, if you give one, God will give you... We, that's, that's using carnal means. That's not what he's talking about. The word tithe means a tenth, and we usually use it synonymously with giving or the offering. But let's just say if a person made a $1,000, a tithe would be $100. It would be difficult for them to live. Why would I want to lay down some legal amount or measure laying a burden on someone that perhaps I'm not even willing to live with my own hand? Now, if you take someone who's making 20 grand a week, two weeks, whatever, then, you know, a tithe would be, they wouldn't even miss it. 
So the important thing is that you honor the Lord from your heart. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money in itself. Paul tells that to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10. God would not want you to be a bad witness to the world. So you pay your bills. As a Christian, you should be the best creditor. Nobody should ever have to call you about your bills. Now you're coming out of the world. You've got some baggage. Fine. Get it cleared up. Get going. Get on track. But from that point on, as a Christian, you should never have people calling on you for bills. Live within your means, not beyond your means. Always put something away. Jesus made it clear that our allegiance to God should be at least equal to paying taxes. They asked him, and Jesus made it clear. He says, and he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and the things of God to the things that are God. Luke twenty twenty five. Not by compulsion, not by some pressure. Not, this is between you and God, not any man. And that's the way it should always be. Do not let pastors or evangelists put a guilt trip on you with such a heavy burden that they persuade you to make pledges and to sign, you know, I promise I'll give this and this amount, whatever. And then every month, here you are, you are, I can't believe that. I hate doing this. The more you think about it, the more angry you get. Do yourself um, and God a favor. Don't write that check. Because it's not doing you any good. Who are you giving it to? You made a pledge to man. You made you, you let man snooker you. <laughs> Either God's in the work or it isn't. Which is it? Can't have both. Give as God has blessed you. The size is irrelevant. Give hilariously as unto the Lord. In fact, you know, in that section of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul uses the Macedonians as an example because they were such poverty. They were like this widow, destitute. All the wars went on in that territory, so they were devastated. And when he came and, um, and he told them about the Corinthians that they were going to do this for the poor saints of Jerusalem and everything, oh, Paul, here, take some of the impulses. No, 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 no. He said, Paul, don't dare do that to us. The Jewish brethren have given to us the gospel. We're saved, our Messiah. The least we can do is this, they said. Wow. And he uses the Macedonians. Out of their deep poverty and willingly, they went out of their way. And then he closes the whole section by leveling everybody. Because it's a matter of the ultimate perspective. He says, and after we get done doing whatever we do, and we believe the Lord is directing us, and we do it with a genuine heart and hilariously, and as unto the Lord, and we just worship Then he says, and thank be to God for his indescribable gift, his son. When you look at what God gave for us, ladies and gentlemen, I give crumbs. They're cloths. It's a matter of perspective. Jesus is the secret admirer of our giving. There should be no one else. And so, as the Lord Jesus observed people putting money into the treasury, these three incredible truths are given to us. Jesus is the secret observer of all giving. Jesus is the secret appraiser of our giving. 
And Jesus is the secret admirer of our giving. What a great text. Three simple truths about giving. Good words from Pastor Xavier Reese with today's teaching from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21 today. And this message titled, The Widow's Gift, is available as always on CD for only $4. A CD, by the way, that will include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title you'll be asking for is, The Widow's Gift, or you can simply mention today's date. Request yours by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com